Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Injected soul into the everyday. Because margaritas and the bachelorette are just as soulful as medis and self-care. We're your host, Holly as Party and Jordana Levine. So shout out to a comment from the Facebook group, one of our listeners, Jord. Yeah. That's so cute. Ashley Perry. She's written loved in capital letters this week's episode. Every topic. Even my four-year-old daughter was in the back of the car and said, I like these girls. Oh, my God. It's the ultimate compliment when a four-year-old likes you. All <laughs> I want is to be accepted by four-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. But it did worry me because I think I even said it to Ash in the, in the Facebook group. I was like, we swear a lot and we were talking about semen. Foaming semen, not just any <laughs> But she said that she likes the sound of our voices. That's so nice. That Because four-year-olds are so perceptive. They read energy, right? Look, there were so many comments we could have read because last yeah. week's app just went off, George. Absolutely. It was so well received. And um, we mentioned it in the episode, but we changed the topic like 10 minutes before we started recording. So it was obviously meant to be. That was your intuitive call. You listened to the niggle. Yeah, niggle, niggle, niggle. <laughs> um, what are you drinking? What's that? Oh, it's a green smoothie. Uh, and I'm not hungover, so it's not a remedy green smoothie. It's just because I like drinking them because the weather's warming up. Yeah, and when mm. I was last in Byron, we went to the markets and you made and concocted this green smoothie that mm. I have been craving in the warm weather here. What is in it? Tell me. Oh, that one was a bit different to this one. I'll tell you what I made this morning. Mm. Um, I do half coconut water, half water because I find if I – I like a big smoothie, and if it's all coconut water, that's quite a bit of sugar. So yeah. I go half coconut water, half water, um, some kale, baby spinach, whatever green leaves you have. I've been putting blue spirulina in it because it's just as good as regular spirulina. Actually, I think it's even better. I don't really know why it's better, but it um, it makes the green smoothie like this beautiful teal color, like deep green. Ooh, so good. Um, I put collagen in it, like bovine collagen, but if you're a vego, you could put marine collagen in. Um, and I've been using um, a protein powder. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it'll be a reco next week, so I'll just Ooh. keep that up my sleeve. Um, and then some frozen banana. Frozen is very important. And a little bit of frozen mango, just small amounts oh, of each. Yum. Um, and a little bit of avocado. Here's the secret ingredient. Two, there's two of them. Lime and ginger. Yes. I remember you did the lime with the rind. With the rind. So I cut off like a cheek of lime and cut it up quite small, but like the rind, the flesh, all of it. And if you put it in a high-speed blender, you have to use a high-speed blender. If you've got a Kmart blender, don't put the rind in. Um, But what it does is it just – it gets rid of it completely so it's not bitsy in your mouth. 
And it just gives it this like really, really amazing tang. My friend, um, Kate Levins, who listens to the podcast, she taught me how to do that. We used to work together in the kitchen at um, HelloFresh. I was the um, head chef there and she was my assistant. And um, she, she taught me that trick. And I thought, oh my God, that's crazy. Why would you put the rind of a lime in your smoothie? But it is amazing. Can testify, it is delicious. It's so good. Like, it's so limey. Yum. So, are you more of a smoothie gal or a juice gal? Yeah, I'm not really into juices. Neither. I'm definitely a smoothie gal. But to be honest with you, I think, I think, I used to, I don't know if people on the show know this about me, but I, <laughs> I used to work um, for I Quit Sugar. I was the editor back in the day. And, um, Look, there's lots of great things that come from quitting sugar, but they really scared everybody off drinking any kind of juice of any description, you know? Really? Yeah. And so I've got this real, and like, I love a green juice and I love a veggie juice, but it just feels like concentrated sugar to me. It doesn't, like, there's not, there's no fiber in it. I just don't really see the point of it. I love to chew my smoothies. Like I, when I'm like having a smoothie, I like it to be substantial and I feel like that for a juice I'm not getting that substance so that's why I'm a smoothie gal yeah and also it's filling like it's a meal a smoothie like that I just had a smoothie after my walk this morning that's my breakfast like I won't eat yeah again this morning um and it's a really good way to get all the nutrients in as well absolutely and your greens which is important do you know what I've realized I'm not getting in anywhere near enough greens that I should and I feel like that's where like smoothies and juicing is an easy way to up them because yeah, I, I just, like my greens but I'm not, feel like I'm not having juices, enough you're actually not getting your greens yeah right like you're getting some of the nutrients from them but you're not getting any of the like fi- fibrous nature of them okay so smoothies are where it's at this summer friends smoothies are where it's at it's not for everyone it's very important as well like i cannot drink smoothies in winter and i used to try and do that but like from an ayurvedic perspective having cold foods and cold drinks in winter is it's really hard for your um, digestive system to digest and absorb the nutrients from them yeah this is what my naturopath kate Kate, another Kate who also listens to the podcast, um, has been trying to... You have to be called Kate to listen to this podcast. (laughs) It's true. To get a shout out, your name must be Kate. Um, She's been drilling it into me for years and I'm slowly paying attention because I love smoothies so much. She's like, Holly, your your disposition doesn't respond well to cold foods, Mm. especially first thing in the morning. Like, it's better to have a warm beverage or like oats or... But I'm not really an oat eater, like a porridge eater, like... My ideal breakfast is a smoothie, but I've been transitioning into like a nut loaf with some of the every mite, maybe avo, a little bit of spinach. That's okay. probably my ideal breakfast. Let me let me help you out here. It's my Please. specialty. I think that many people get stuck in the idea of what are breakfast foods and what are dinner yes. foods and what are yes. lunch foods. So I'll often eat a very lunch dinner style meal for breakfast. So I'll steam some veggies. I might have a little bit of chicken on the side or sometimes I'll make eggs. But I usually have a bowl of cooked vegetables in winter and some sort of protein. And that's breakfast. And why not? Like what does it matter when you're eating it? It's so true. I And I know you and I are the same with this, Jord, when it comes to sticking to the three main meals of the day. We're not very good at it, are we? Well, no, but only because I used to be so regimented with it. 
um, and I really had to stop myself because I was eating for the sake of eating. I wasn't eating because I was hungry or because my body had decided it needed something in particular. It was like, oh, it's midday, better eat lunch. Yeah. You know? And so I just don't do that anymore. It does mean that I have weird meal times, but we invented meal times. Like meal times were invented by advertising agencies to sell products. So it's sort of like we should just be eating when we're hungry. And what we're feeling like when we're hungry. Yeah. It's that intuitive eating concept, right? Yeah. I'll often eat breakfast foods at night, actually. Like, I love having eggs at night. And, I mean, I don't do it anymore, but sometimes I'd have porridge at night, you know? Isn't that interesting? I think I saw one of our friends, I forget who it was, in her stories, and she was having, I think it was granola or an acai bowl for dinner. Like, yeah, that's part of adulthood. Whatever you feel like, <laughs> yeah. eating whenever you want. Totally, Yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite food in the entire world? We're going to the hard-hitting question here, friends. I don't I couldn't I can't tell you one, but I was thinking about it on the walk this morning actually, like what my favorite thing to eat is that's like really easy to eat and I just am so happy every time is like a vintage cheddar and pickles. Oh. oh. Like a plowman's-ish platter? Yeah, but just the pickle and the cheese. Like when I go to my dad's, dad always has a big jar of pickles in the fridge and I like get out a pickle and get I wrap a slice of cheese around it and Yum. then I eat it. <laughs> oh I just my love God. it. I love it so much. My mouth much. is watering. Yeah. It's, it's the saltiness. You're more of a savoury gal like me, aren't you? Yeah. No, it's not the saltiness hole. It's the... Um, it's the vinegariness of the of pickle. Yeah. yeah, the tang. Mm, I love it. I mm-hmm. love fermented foods. I love anything vinegary. When I was a kid, I um, one of the first things I taught myself how to like what to cook. The first thing I taught myself to cook was piercing a potato and putting it in the microwave and cooking it, and then I'd take it out and I'd cut a cross in it and I would douse it in balsamic vinegar. Really? I know. So random. I was obsessed with the taste of potato in vinegar. <laughs> Why didn't you just buy a packet of salt and vinegar chips? Because I <laughs> would be, I'd be a kid at home and I was hungry and mum used to teach, <laughs> one of the many things she did, she used to teach singing in a studio, in a music studio we had out the back of the house and she'd have clients at night and I'd be like hungry. I mean, she fed me. I don't know why I was hungry, but anyway. <laughs> and You're I'd, a growing gal. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd make, yeah, steamed potatoes with balsamic vinegar. So weird. I love the weirdness of kids and food. My brother, do you want to hear what he used to have for breakfast for like a couple of years there? Yeah. I'm not even kidding. He would microwave a bowl of frozen peas. Oh, yum. Yeah. That was breakfast, just frozen peas. That's so good. We went through a phase in high school where it was frozen peas and corn and it was just frozen peas and corn with butter and pepper and salt. That's what we did. Oh, it was yeah. so good. Oh, my God. I actually feel like frozen peas and corn are up there on my list of favourite vegetables. Oh, really? And potato, clearly, because yeah. potato is so versatile. What's your What's your favourite food? Oh, I, I'm going down the snack path like you. You yeah. stick me in front of a cheese platter. Yeah. And especially if there's a feature guacamole and I am refusing to leave its sight. I don't know if like, guacamole is traditionally on a cheese platter hole. When I create a cheese platter, it's got a Mexican twist. (laughs) Yeah, wow. 
Okay, yeah. so tell me what else is on your, your road oh, cheese platter. Okay, so there'll always be a vintage cheddar, so I'm so glad you brought that up. There'll yeah. definitely be pickles. Some kind of feature guacamole. In, <laughs> in the guacamole, you must have fresh lime and fresh coriander. Yeah. Team coriander all the way. Totally. Uh, and then there'll be two different styles of crackers. Okay, yeah, so good idea. always the ceres, but... They're out of stock again. We're doing, yeah, I cannot find salt and vinegar ceres anywhere. Really? Uh, really, I've got all the other flavours and ceres is, like, salt and vinegar is empty. I've got to say, if you can't get the salt and vinegar, I reckon the next best one is the black rice crackers. They're the ones that I've been using. Yeah, they're amazing. The texture of them is like, how did you even make this delicious morsel? How do they achieve that? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. And the other crackers that I really like on a cheese plate are Mary's Gone Crackers. I don't oh, know if yeah, you guys have seen good. the seeded ones. So yeah. have those. It's always a hummus. But to be honest, I'm going to say something really controversial. I feel hummus can be a little bit overrated. I don't think you're having the right hummus. i got to make you mine. It's the best. Can you please? Yeah. Okay. So I'll put it on there mainly for the crowd pleaser, but also don't really care. Um, and then olives, Sicilian olives, oh, green Sicilian olives. They have to them be green the Sicilian. I know. Yeah. So good. They're my favorite kind of nibbly treats. Yeah, me too. I, what else would I add to your platter? I do like a little sort of like quince jam or some sort of like sweet like fig paste. paste. Yeah, like I really like that. Um, and, yeah, I think I think that's pretty good, whole. Like, that's a good pack. I like a bit of sauerkraut on the platter as well. It's always nice. Yum. I forget to do that, but I love sauerkraut. I'm like you. I love fermented foods as mm. well. Mm-mm-mm. What so about cuisines? Good. It's funny. You know, every time we're having this conversation, I get two sides of me come out. I've got, like, the foodie who loves to eat, and then you know I spent a big part portion of my career in the food industry so I kind of tap into like chef as well I love it in terms of eating as a cuisine I like to eat hmm I don't know to be honest with you I'm Gemini I get bored very easily so like don't just give me one cuisine and expect me for it to be my favorite you know oh my god you're so funny I love it (laughs) so much don't just stick me into a box and label me as Italian. <laughs> I yeah. need all of them. <laughs> well, I know your favorite cuisine is Italian, like by far. And I love Easily. Italian, but the thought of having to eat it for the rest of my life, just like. Really? Well, yeah, because I want to have a bit of Mexican and I want to have a little bit of, you know, Vietnamese. And Vietnamese? Would, yeah. And I wouldn't mind like a splash of <laughs> Cuban. Portuguese. You just like to keep it fun, fluidity, and fresh. I totally understand. Yeah, I could I could gladly eat Italian food for the rest of my life. My gut health would not be thankful, and neither would my skin. Or maybe it would actually. I don't know. Probably not. What? Um. Why? Why would it? Why would it? Well, it depends. Do you know what's interesting? When I'm in Europe and I eat just without question of, you know, is there gluten in this? Is my stomach going to be upset? Blah, blah, blah. And I just eat all of the delicious carby foods. My body is pretty fucking solid and doesn't react with the bloating or the gas or the breakouts. It might be something in the gluten here that reacts poorly in my body, but 
I can feel it. If I, Trent and I went out for Italian last weekend and I just felt so off the next day. So, it's so interesting. Yeah, I've heard you know. so many people say that. I wonder, um, I mean, I, we probably do process gluten a little bit differently here, but I also wonder whether that you have a different mindset and mentality when you're on holiday than so you true. do when you're at home. And I think so true. when you can enjoy the food that you're eating, and enjoy the experience, I think you actually get a healthier outcome no matter what it is you're eating. I reckon you are on point with that. It's more the stress and the mindset that comes into what you're eating when you're eating it and how readily you'll digest the food. Yeah, that's and that's interesting. Yeah, and that's from a medical point of view as well. You if you're eating when you're in a sympathetic state, so when you're not in rest and digest, when you're in fight or flight, you're not going to be absorbing the nutrients. You're not going to be digesting it properly, which will probably give you a stomach ache. Mm. Um, and yeah, if you're not absorbing the nutrients, then yeah, you, you might break out, you know? So I think there's, there's a lot to be said about the healthy mindset that goes along with healthy eating. It's a layered approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, what were you like as a kid with food? I, it's interesting. I've always shied away from eating meat being like even like young kids so I don't I don't like labels but I haven't eaten red meat or chicken in 15 years or so uh, so that's always just been my natural tendency everything else I eat I love food so much food growing up for me was the way that our family came together especially the Maltese side of my family so my dad's side my dad's one of 15 kids so isn't that crazy so my memories growing up with food has been my nana who would cook these amazing meals for us and we'd all sit around the table and at all the occasions Christmas and Easter everyone would just feast on Maltese food, so pastizzi and baked macaroni. <laughs> Maltesers. Maltesers. <laughs> I used to tell my friends that I'm a Malteser. I am chocolate personified. Um, oh, <laughs> um, but there'd be like ravioli and mm. basically white carb, pasta, cheese, bread, everything. And that's what I grew up on and I honestly loved it. It's so interesting when I started dating Trent, so we were 17, 18 at the time, and I would go to his house for dinner and they're very quintessential um, Anglo-Saxon family where he's just grown up with three veg and meat and that's been it every night. And then on a Sunday, they have a barbecue. And so I'd go to his place and be like, oh, um, I'm vegetarian. Like I'll have the vegetables and they, they couldn't place me. And then similarly, Trent would come to our place for dinner and every night would be a different pasta or maybe a little bit of a rice twist. And he'd be like, what, like where, what do you guys eat? It's really funny just seeing the way people grow up with food. Absolutely, yeah. What did you grow up on? Um, just like food. I mean, I don't really know what to say. My mum is a great cook and my dad is also a great cook. Um, and so, yeah, I just remember like lots of very balanced meals growing up. I had a lot of food allergies as a kid. My mum was very good at dealing with them. Wow. Um, and so, 
yeah, I don't know. Like food was always just, it was never, there was never a thing around it. Like we always had beautiful food. There was always food in the house. I never felt guilty about food as a kid. Um, lots of salads and yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. I've always eaten meat. I've never been a fussy eater at all. Um, when I was, I mean, I've always been obsessed with pickles. Like when I was three years old, mum used to catch me in the mornings in the pickle <laughs> jar in the fridge with my little hand in the giant pickle jar. So cute. Yeah. And I think we've spoken about it before, but I was very drawn to, even as a child, like really Euro- Eastern European foods. Yes. Um, and that's, that's my heritage because I actually wasn't brought up on them. But I was always drawn to like smoked fish and pickles and kraut and um, yes. yeah, the vinegars, you know, um, and like rye bread, just weird yes, things for kids to like. So weird. I know. I, I love know. that. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I also like I was never, I I, I I've always had this natural like talent and also like affiliation to want to be able to create food. Mm. And I think that there are some people that say to me, oh, yeah, I don't know, I guess I, you know, mum always cooked for me at home. So I, she never taught me to cook. She just always had dinner ready for us or dad always cooked or whatever it might be. And I don't remember mum ever being like, okay, this is how you make a blah, blah. And this is how you no. make a blah, blah. But it was just this kind of like feeling where I needed to know and I wanted to know because I wanted to cook for myself because I loved food so much that, I guess I was just kind of observing it and just mim- mirroring it maybe or I don't know, maybe it is a natural talent when you can cook. I feel like it definitely is and I've seen you cook, Jordan. You've, I've been very lucky that you've cooked many a dish for me <laughs> and you're very good at it. But I feel for you it's quite an intuitive process as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think as I've gotten older and I'm not so obsessed with what people tell you to eat because I definitely mm. was in my 20s, Um, it's an intuitive thing, the eating process as well now. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I really do love cooking. When I'm in the kitchen and I'm having friends over for dinner or I'm just cooking a meal for Trent, I enjoy doing it, but I get so heady about it where I overthink, oh, I don't really know what to create out of this. I, I get logical minded intuition goes out the door and then I'm like I can't I actually can't be bothered because the thought of what I'm going to create feels way too much so we've been trialing um, the hello freshers and the Miley spoons of the world and it's really nice because it's getting me back into the kitchen but everything is done for you takes that thinking out it's such a brilliant service honestly like when I was working at hello fresh I got quite frustrated as the chef because we were on a very tight budget of what we could put in the box for value for money and I wanted to Mm. put more vegetables and stuff. But in terms of people still cooking for themselves but not having to think about the process, so um, the groceries that you need being delivered to you with the recipe, you don't actually have to do anything, but you still have to cook it. So you've still got the power, you know, like you still not get like you're not getting takeaway you're not giving up it's just it's just a different different way of delivering different approach yeah and there's not the food wastage as well which I to be honest I've been so guilty of Jord I'll go like to the farmer's markets and be like oh I'm gonna get all of this beautiful fresh produce and then it sits in the fridge and I look at it and go I don't know how to turn this into a thing oh okay yeah Mm, so that happens to a lot of people 
yeah, I get debilitated by it. But cooking's a flow state activity as well. So it's so good for your mindset. Oh, it's so good. I love it. If I'm very stressed, I'll cook. Do you, if you are having people over for dinner, will you follow a recipe from a cookbook? I don't use my cookbooks anymore, but I used to. I had a stack of them drawed and they were some that Trent was like, just get rid of them. You open them twice a year. I became obsessed with the cookbooks. So now I have a few go-tos that were recipes and then I put my own little spin on them. Mm. But mainly it's just that I've memorized recipes in the past and I know what's going to taste good. Okay. Yeah. But if I put like a, a table of ingredients in front of you and said, make something... I could do it, like Ready, Steady, Cook. Yeah, or like Surprise oh. Chef. Yes, I would love – actually, that would be so fun. Yeah, my, my brother – when I used to go over to my brother's house for dinner, he was a lawyer, so he'd come home from work and he was just very tired. And um, we would play Surprise Chef. So he'd be oh. like, open the fridge and cook me something. <laughs> it was That's fun. fun. Yeah, it was a good game. Good what game. is your go-to dish to create if you wanted to impress someone? Ooh, um – I don't know about like impressive like I do a really beautiful slow cooked lamb I obviously wouldn't cook that for you um oh, I don't I don't know to tell you the truth like whatever anyone wanted I'd just cook for them I know because be you're good at everything but I you bet- know what I love cooking for people because it's really yummy it's not impressive but is my um roast pumpkin dal have I cooked dal for you I don't think you've cooked me dal before. You've said you were going to. Oh, yes, you have. Yeah, you did. Yeah. It wasn't your roast pumpkin one, though. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I love I love cooking dal for people. Yeah. I think some people think they don't like dal. Until they have Georges. Yeah. I love to make dal, too. It used to be a running joke with uh, when I lived with Trent's brother. He'd be like, what's for dinner tonight, dal? I'm like, yeah, every night. <laughs> I love yeah, and I also love to cook anything Mexican-y. Oh, like, okay. I make a really good veg nachos. I'm going to pay myself that. Okay. It's all about how much veg you put in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how much you layer it with cheese and sour cream if you're eating dairy. Sour cream is so good. Oh, my gosh. It's I so good. I love sour cream with Mexican. I feel like if there's no sour cream, I'm just a bit disappointed. Well, I had a burrito bowl yesterday. I was out at the shops and I'm really looking after my hormones at the moment. So I'm trying to stay clear of dairy. And I did have it without cheese and without sour cream. And it was so dismal. It was was, lots of guac on it? There was so much guac and I was so grateful because they didn't ask them for extra. It's like the universe was looking after me. (laughs) But I was looking and then Jess had like sour cream on hers. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Delicious on Mexican food. Yeah, but happy hormones are delicious too. It's true. That is the truth of the matter. Yeah. What about if you were in prison, which I know is a fear of yours. (laughs) No. Have we talked about that on the podcast or is that just a private conversation? No, that was a private conversation that I've had. (laughs) So sorry. Um. And your last meal before death row? Yeah. What would it be? I don't know. It's like the last meal before you die. I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, death row is dying, isn't it? Um, well. I kind of would, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> such a stupid thing to say. I was like, I'd probably rather fast. I don't, want, I don't need to die with a full belly, but that's not true. I want to eat something. Pickles and cheese? I don't know. What's yours? <laughs> I, if I could somehow bring my numna back to create the last yeah. meal, it would be that. It would be nostalgic 
delicious carby her baked macaroni I can't even tell you like Trent never got to experience it and it's like oh and and I don't know why they do this Mediterranean women do not a lot of them it's their secret recipe and they do not share it with anyone and they literally take it to the grave and it's like well that's great now we all lose out (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really shit yeah so it would be her baked macaroni and her pastitsi yeah okay Um, oh I don't know I'm so sorry that I don't have an answer for that that's okay. You're a chef. You've tried many a food, so mm. it would be very difficult for you. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, my God, so many weird things. Because one of my first jobs in food publishing was as a restaurant reviewer. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, which is great. Like, it was great. I'm not complaining. But we went to some really weird restaurants sometimes. Um, the weirdest thing I've eaten? Probably, like some sort of offal of some description like a tongue or like <laughs> yeah that probably that would be the weirdest because I just mm-hmm. can't get my head out of the fact that it's an organ meat yeah yeah yeah, um, that's, yeah that's not okay but I'm not I've got to say I'm not very adventurous with Asian food so there's probably people that have tried some really like strange Asian dishes. Oh yeah. And I'm just, I just don't really like Asian food. I don't know why. Like I hate yum cha and I would just never want to go out to a Chinese restaurant. That doesn't seem like fun to me at all. We've had this chat cause I'm the same. Yeah. It's yeah, weird, isn't I, it? It is weird. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it's my dad's favorite is going to is Chinese. Oh, I was going to say, because we never went to Chinese restaurants as a kid and I thought, oh, maybe that's it. No, my dad, if you are hanging out with my dad and he's like, let's go to dinner, it is to a Chinese restaurant. He loves it, which is so bizarre because he's just this like Maltese man. He just loves yeah. Chinese food. He loves all of the Chinese vegetables and all of their stews and everything. Um, I, I, I love Indian food. Oh, I love, love Indian. Indian food. I love dal and I love just all of it. I love a laksa. Mm, yeah, okay. Delicious. And I'm, we've just started to enjoy and appreciate ramen, also controversial, because George and I at the beginning of this year were like, mm, no, we're not really, we don't really care for ramen. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, because I don't like, I don't really care for noodles in soup. I mean, I don't love laksa either. I'm just like, mm. I love laksa. I, I, yeah. I do like, like, I love like Thai and Vietnamese flavors like coriander and lime and chili and ginger. Like that's exciting. Yes. I feel like Chinese food sometimes just gets very like corn flowery and um, MSG MSG and sugar, like lots of yeah. sugar. I mean, it'd be great to hear from listeners if there's a like must try Chinese food where we're just missing out. Mm. We can give that a try and let you guys know what we think. But I was never partial to Vietnamese food until last year. Well, I visited Vietnam for our honeymoon last year and then we were there in January this year. Oh, my God. Their street food. We did a, a, a tour and like a cooking tour on the back of these motorcycles. We went to seven different stops. I have such a newfound appreciation of Vietnamese food. Mm. Their pancake, I don't know the – forget the actual name but they do this vietnamese flat pancake that yeah. stuffs all of the things yeah it's called oh. a um oh, I, I did a feature on it in a magazine Fuck did you yeah um oh, i'm gonna find out keep talking guys it's not a sweet pancake because funny fun fact i'm not a big sweet gal and definitely not with pancakes but this is like it's almost like a eggy um barn, barn zao. 
Bonsau. Bonsau. Yeah. Oh, it is so, so delicious. I had them every day multiple times. And also their buns that they stuff with tofu. Being vegetarian in Vietnam is so easy. Like you yeah. just – there's an abundance of good food. Yeah. So good. Uh, I'm going to do some rapid-fire questions oh, for you. Okay. Like a this or that, okay? okay? Yeah. Parsley or coriander? Coriander. Chili or garlic? Chili. Salt or pepper? Ooh, pepper. Uh, do you know what? I'm going through a pepper phase at the moment too. Yeah, yeah. I never have appreciated pepper until recently. Can you tell me what yours were, garlic or chili? Oh, hang on. I want to do one more. Okay. Coconut oil or olive oil? Olive oil. Yeah. I like coconut oil for certain things, but, I mean, I would drink olive oil out of the bottle. Absolutely. Use coconut oil as lube. Use olive oil for cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um, chili or garlic? Garlic. Definitely. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. what was the first one? I don't remember. Parsley, parsley or oh. coriander? Coriander, although I'm starting to appreciate parsley as well. I never really have. I actually don't really like parsley. Like yeah. I'll eat it if you put it on something, but I I don't really – I don't like it. What about rocket or baby spinach? Mm, I mean both of them for different reasons. I don't like rocket. <gasps> I know. No, I think mm-hmm. you do. You haven't had it right. I <laughs> just haven't had these foods right. Hummus or guacamole? <laughs> guacamole. Mexican or Italian? Mm, probably Italian, yeah. Hmm, okay. Yeah. That's all I got. I was coming up with those on the fly. Yeah, they were really, they were really, really good. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about, like, your relationship with Food Hole. Like, you mm. are, you're a great eater now and you, like, love food and you appreciate food and I know you loved it as a kid, but have you ever struggled – with food yeah absolutely I mean I think majority of women can relate to hitting puberty and your body changes and you go what the fuck is happening to me I all of a sudden have hips um and there was a phase in high school where I was definitely more uh considered with the foods that I was eating uh but then that kind of fizzled out. And I remember, I mean, I was at uni eating Easy Mac for lunch. You know, those like mac and cheese you could heat in the microwave. And I was having ice cream every night and I just didn't really give food thought. And it wasn't until I became really unhappy in my corporate job that my mind shifted. And I've spoken about this in a previous episode where I was like, I'm unhappy in my job, but I don't want to leave. So I'm going to focus on the food that I'm eating. And I'm going to, I signed up for one of those 12 week body transformation things. And it was encouraging you to weigh everything you ate. So it was very much, wasn't necessarily, I guess it was calorie counting and macro counting and all of the counting of the things, but they'd already created the recipes for you. So you just had to weigh the things and anything outside of that, I did not eat. I felt incredibly guilty. I didn't go out socially. I didn't enjoy food anymore. I lost a lot of weight and it was very unhealthy and I was so, so critical and food just became unenjoyable. It became bland. Mm. It tasted shit. It was all about how can I fuel my body to get the biggest gains and lose the most weight? And it wasn't about like enjoyment and from coming out the other end of that because that period of my life I became riddled with adrenal fatigue and burnout and leaky gas and parasites and my body was just like no 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 um I've all I've really created a more relaxed approach around food and 
to be honest, I've, I've kind of gone the other way. I Well, I did go the other way where I just ate anything and everything and it didn't matter whether my body enjoyed it or not. I was just going the other extreme. And now I've found this middle ground where I'm conscious of the foods that make me feel good and the foods that don't. That said, there's no strict dietary guidelines around what I choose to consume. It's very relaxed. I go out and I enjoy food with my friends and I'm really happy with the way that I am with food today. Mm. But it's been a long, long time coming, mm. you know? Yeah. How about you, George? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of have a similar experience, I guess. The, the layer on top of it was that food was my work. So... Yeah was very hard from about the age of 21 to maybe 20 oh 30 really so Mm -hmm. it was about nine years that I was in food publishing and um part of that which I don't think people realize is well the first part of it was restaurant review so I would be going out to different restaurants and eating lots of different food another big part of being in food publishing in the publications I worked in is that we were right next to a test kitchen and all the recipes that appear in the cookbooks or the magazines are getting tested in the kitchen and all that food's coming into the office. So it's really mm. great. Like we get to eat it all, but it's like there's always food on offer. Mm. Um, and yeah, I had a super fast metabolism in my early 20s. And then um, it started to slow down and I realized that I couldn't just be indulgent all the time Mm. and I kind of went in reverse so I got really interested in health and I kind of moved into more of the health publications with food and you know there's so many different things that they tell you contradictory things that they tell you but I tried to do all of them you know um and I felt so consumed by what I was eating I was counting all my calories um, I was eating, oh my God, terrible diet foods. So like, you know, like those diet yogurts that are just full of sugar and like, oh, I was just shortcutting everything because I didn't really know enough about it. I'm looking back on it. I'm so angry at those magazines and the things they used to put out. I know, and I mean, they probably still do it. I just don't read they do. it anymore. Yeah. They do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I, I never, rem- like I've never ever had an eating disorder, but I've definitely had disordered eating. Uh, yeah. in that I would just be thinking about what I was eating all of the time. And when I finally let that go, um, I had to be out of food publishing, to be honest with you. It was very hard yeah. to do it while I was still there, especially when I was working for some of the health publications. Yeah. And um, I kind of went to the extreme for a bit as well. Like I just didn't want to think about it at all. So I just ate when I wanted to eat and didn't really think about what I was eating. I was always healthy just because I like healthy foods, but mm. – now I'm at the stage where I'm like you. I know what makes me feel good and what doesn't make me feel good. And some of the things that make me feel good have gluten in them. And I seem fine with gluten, so I'm not worried about it. Mm. I eat meat, but I don't eat a lot of meat. You know, like I'm predominantly plant-based, but when I feel like red meat, I eat it because my body's craving it. Mm. Um I know that I can't eat some healthy foods. So, like, I really struggle with legumes. Dal is about the only thing I can eat because I really cook those lentils down. But other than that, like, chickpeas, no thank you. I can't have soy products. You know, I just know how my body reacts. And totally. I've, no, I've really – I'm interested to hear what you think on this whole, like, I've really noticed from a um, spiritual – channeling perspective Mm -hmm. that if I'm eating if I'm drinking a lot of alcohol and I'm eating a lot of sugar um and I haven't been having grounding food so I can't not have 
sweet potato and potato and pumpkin and carrots. I need all those vegetables to ground me because if I don't, I just have no connection to spirit whatsoever. Yeah, I'm the exact same as you, Jord. The grounding foods for me, the root vegetables, are key. Mm. Absolutely. Potato, sweet potato, carrot, anything that's grown in the dirt, zucchini, I love. Parsnip, yeah, all of that is is a staple for me. Do you know what's been interesting, though, and I wonder if you can relate to this? I've mentioned it a few times. I'm really doing work on my hormones at the moment. There's stuff going on, and I just need to clean up my act. And part of that is, for me, eradicating gluten and dairy from my diet and the processed foods and these sorts of things. My body is healthier and happier when I am that way. But And I'm happy to do it. It's, it's quite easy for me. But I carry this level of guilt around what are other people going to think of me? Are they going to think that I've gone to an extreme? Am I going to go to some extreme because I've been there before? And it's really this interesting, these stories that have come up for me in sitting in this space because I haven't really been in this space since the last time when I got obsessed. Yeah. Okay. So this is what, this is my advice for you. It's just like anything. And I've spoken about it on here before. You don't have to talk about it with people. I mean, how often these days do you have to factor other than Trent, obviously, but do you have to factor other people into your meals? You don't. Never. You go out for lunch, you order whatever you want to order off the menu. It's none of their business. What ingredients in your food unless you make it a thing oh I can't have gluten oh I can't have dairy or I really want to eat that but I'm not going to yeah Yeah. stay in your own lane and I I think this is my this is my advice with any kind of food intolerance or preference or lifestyle choice is just keep it to yourself if it makes you happy great it's actually no one else's business and projecting it onto other people makes them feel guilty and it brings up their own shit and it's not good for either of you so yes Oh, preach, sister. Food is such a personal relationship and we do not know what people are experiencing in their relationship with food, be it in the past, in the present, or what's going to come up for, especially as women when our bodies change and we fall pregnant and hormones change and then cravings, we just don't know. And that's why I I do get asked a little bit. It's kind of filtered out. I'll get DMs saying, why don't you talk about what you eat? And it's like, because actually it's nobody's business what I eat. And it's that that case of bioindividuality. What works for me and my body isn't necessarily going to work for you and yours. So I cannot say, stand here and say, you must eat this way. I've tried plant-based before, George, three months. My gut was shot. Same. And I'm not asking for people to come and say, well, you need to do this. And these, these are my advices to go plant-based. Like, I'm not interested in that. It's like, I'm just experiencing food the way that I am and it's nobody's business you know and it's the same for anyone else listening just just experience it for you and I love what you said it doesn't need to be a talking point in every time you sit down to have a meal no yeah we don't need to justify why we eat the way we do I guess no we don't have to justify it and I think half the time we're justifying it to ourselves or we think that it's our way of identifying as something but yeah it's not it's, not, it's definitely not. It, I actually not. read this post this morning on one of the body positive influencers that I follow. Her name is actually Kate. I forget her last oh name. Oh, my God, that's what so is good. With that? <laughs> and she was um, sharing a beautiful photo of her eating an ice cream. And in her caption, she was saying, I almost didn't upload this photo because I feel like I need to justify 
why I'm eating the ice cream, the fact that I don't eat ice cream all the time, and all of these guilt-based stories that were hers that she felt she needed to convey in the caption. And then she ended up conveying because I was reading it. Um, And I get it too all the time. It's like, oh, God, if someone sees me drinking bone broth, but hang on a second, didn't Holly say that she doesn't eat meat? It's like I'm a mass contradiction. Well, number one, yeah, I am. And number two, this is why I don't like labels when it comes to what we eat. Mm. You know? Yeah, I agree. What's your reco for this week, John? Well, my reco for this week is um, this great company called Bimbi and Roy. And they make bralettes and underwear. Oh. But they only make bralettes and they are – look, Holly was the bralette girl. I was not the bralette girl. And um, they are so comfortable and they're super supportive. So the – I've got one on here. Look at the colour. Yeah, the straps are adjustable, which is really great. And the straps are quite thin. But Mm. the fabric itself is really sturdy You could actually wear them swimming. Like, you could wear them swimming. Um, They have matching either high waist or briefs. um, And they come in lots of different fun colors and patterns. I've only got one, but I will be getting more, definitely. Um, And they're just... I can't really explain it. I don't know why they're so comfy. I guess the thing is they're stretchy. Mm. And they, they actually have a lot... Of coverage so they do yeah I'm a I'm I'm an 8e in a bra size and I got the medium and it's probably a little tiny bit big across the back but it really fits the cup quite well um, and she's got a size guide on the on the site that says you know if you're a 10f or if you're a you know 12G or you know or smaller sizes too whole they they exist Um, (laughs) then what what size to get and I'm like I'm really impressed I got the medium um pants I got the high-waisted briefs and they're a little bit big and I'm usually a 10 on the bottom so if that's an indicator for people beautiful um but then but then I actually don't mind (laughs) this is a weird fact about me I actually don't mind like bigger briefs I'm the same. Yeah, like I wouldn't wear them under jeans, but like if I'm wearing a maxi dress or to bed sometimes, like I really like a a high-waisted full brief. Are you? (laughs) Would you choose that over G-string? No. No, no. Like I wear G-string, but but G-string jeans and stuff. I don't like wearing G-strings under dresses unless it's a a tight dress. Totally. Yeah. Okay, Bimbi and Roy. And what's the price point like, Joy? Yeah, so the bralettes are like $35, I think. Amazing. And the bottoms are 32 So you get a I'm set for like up. 70 bucks. And they double as swimwear. Like you can – I've worn br- different bralettes in the water before and it's fine. But they're actually – I don't know what you call the fabric, but it's like – it's not just cotton. Like it's – It's sturdy. Yeah, it's like swimmer material. But you, you nice. wouldn't wear them just as swimmers, but you could. Oh my gosh, such a good reco. I'm literally going to buy some today. They're really, honestly, they're really, And the really prints great. are beautiful. Oh, they're amazing. I've got like a few different prints in my cart ready to go. Oh my God, love it. Bimbi and Roy. Bimbi and Roy. Um, Holly, what is your reco this week? Well, guys, believe it or not, Trent and I went to the movies on the weekend. Yeah. And I know George has seen this movie too, so we'll have a chat about it. We went and saw Joker. And I forgot in the movie app to say that I really do love the Batman movies. I don't know if it's because my brother loved Batman growing up. 
I went as Poison Ivy to a fancy dress party when I was really young. Did you? I went to my sister's 21st as Poison Ivy. I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> so I, I love the Batman saga and the stories, and I've always felt some kind of weird affinity with the Joker character. Like when Heath Ledger was Joker, he just was incredible. So Trent and I were like, yep, yeah, let's go. I want to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this. It is a very dark, confronting movie. So if you are not open to violence and uh, I guess the heaviest stuff for me wasn't actually the violence. It was the psychological uh, thriller aspect of the film. Well, it's it's essentially it's a film about mental illness. Mental so illness. If yeah. you have any sort of mental health issues and you're quite sensitive to this stuff, and I'll tell you my experience after you've spoken whole, but yeah, definitely put a warning on this movie. Absolutely. Now, I didn't know that going into the movie. That said, it didn't rattle me at all. Number one is, it's Joaquin. Is that how you pronounce his name? Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix will get the Oscar. I don't even know if he's nominated. I don't even know when that's going to happen. If he doesn't get the Oscar, whoever gets it is going to be like the best actor of all time because his performance, George, as Joker was faultless. You watch this uh, character's demise into this state of mental just breakdown from, you know, a uh, uh, mentally unstable human but not the joker that we know into this just terrifying character it was so believable and i feel that that's what's haunting a lot of people there's critics are sitting on two sides of the fence with this movie they're going it's way too full on and it's going to give people ideas on how to act out their mental illnesses and then other people are going no this is a very uh curious and interesting and important exploration of the shadow side that we all carry in us and how society can kind of permeate that and it's obviously an exaggerated piece and it's a Batman movie at the end of the day I don't think it's an exaggerated piece I don't and this is my opinion on it I don't think it's exaggerated I think it's more of a reflection on society than the person with the mental illness he he was abused as a child he was never cared for the way he should have been cared for. He was treated poorly by the people that he worked with. And when he tried to get help, they shut the government scheme down. It's a very accurate reflection of what's going on within our society, especially in America. And it's a very accurate representation of the white terrorism that has taken place in the States. And that's the confronting piece. And I feel that's why people are watching it and leaving unsettled because can relate uh and yeah it's full on it is full on the performance is incredible i will watch it again because i just i can't tell you why i like dark twisted stuff but i i really really enjoyed the movie and i highly recommend it but go in if you're an empath if you're a highly sensitive person it may rattle you and no i know jord you had that experience Mm, I'd had a very emotional day um, separate from the movie and I um, went in knowing what I was walking into but being in any kind of fragile state, I I actually found it very, very, very confronting. Um, Mm. In terms of violence, there's only two really violent scenes and they both of them last less than 10 seconds but they're shocking because you don't really see them coming. Mm, They're brutal. Yeah, they're brutal and it sort of was no violence and then lots of violence all at once. Yeah. Um, and I think 
yeah, the the fact that it so closely mirrors many of the things that we've seen lately in America, even though the film's set in 81, it's just, yeah, I, I found it very, very, very disturbing. Also because it's the origin story of the Joker, so it had taken place before the Heath Ledger movie and he was so yes. darkly disturbed by that character. It just... It just didn't sit well with me at all. It's so too close I, to home. Yeah, I, I, I also really enjoyed it. I think it was a... No, I didn't... That's not the word. I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was a very good movie. Yeah. I personally couldn't sit through it again. Yeah. It's good to get both sides, I think, with this conversation because it's going to be... It's. I saw Russell Brand actually released a, a piece to camera this morning about his take on it. Oh, what it did is, he say? Um, he said exactly what you said. He said this is the reason why it's so confronting because people can relate and it's hitting points that we haven't really opened conversation about. Um, so there will be more and more commentary coming out, I feel, over the next few weeks. I'd really be interested to hear what the listeners think. Uh, and actually, surprise fun fact, I was watching the credits. Bradley Cooper is one of the producers. Mm. Mm, interesting. But just actually when we walked out, I, I didn't realise but – Phoenix is a method actor and I turned to Trent before I did my research. I was like, I've got, there's only one way to explain that performance. He must be a method actor. Like you would have to live and breathe that character to portray it so realistically. And he is, and also Heath Ledger was when he portrayed Joker. So they, they both became that character. Yeah, That's I read a story scary. this morning though that said that he, Yaquin has come out and said that he didn't feel that even though he was a method actor and he was going and studying um, people that suffered from this laughing disorder yeah, um, and studying their laugh and the director had told him that he wants the laugh to sound as if he's in pain, like he wants that laugh to be painful. Oh, yeah. So he went out and he studied it and he came up with three different laughs and he went through all of that, right, and stayed in character in between takes, all of it. He still said that he didn't feel like he went to... A dark place he was able he couldn't to go there. separate himself from it but I can see and I, I don't want to make this about Heath Ledger because I think that's very layered what happened to him but I can see how playing that character would disturb you oh, absolutely it gives me goosebumps when you're talking about the laugh because just the way that he in the movie guys whether you're going to watch it or not it doesn't give away much but he has this laughing disorder where it just comes on these fits of hysteria in inappropriate moments in inappropriate moments and the way that he would grab at his throat and try and choke it back it was just all those little nuances in his character that was so well done I was blown away by the performance it's a it's the first time in such a long time where I've looked at an acting performance and gone you're incredible mm. so that's my take yeah yeah good record yeah. so um, oh, I have another bit to add to it. What I yeah. did is we went and saw the movie at 6 o'clock at night, so it was done by about 8, and then went out for dinner and had wine after to decompress. If I had gone home and gone to bed, I would not have survived it. We did the exact same. We went and saw the 5 o'clock and were done by 7. Yeah. And then we went and had wine and decompressed, and then we went and had Italian yeah. and we were okay by the end. So definitely do an earlier screening. And then we had a cheese plate with feature guacamole. <laughs> 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 so this week, Jord, we're doing a little something different for Teach Me Something New because it's our podcast and we can do what we want. That's right. We're, well, <laughs> it's different in the sense that we're going to do it together. We're going to share the load. 
Yeah, because it's a big topic, this one, and one that we know you guys have been waiting for. Do you want to do the unveiling, Jord? I'll do a drum roll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the chakras. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So um, we both work with chakras in a few different ways. Um, Holly, do you want to give a bit of a background on how you use the chakras? Yeah, so the chakras for me, uh, I mean, brief like explanation, the chakras are the seven energetic points that govern our energetic field, and we'll go through each of the seven. When I started working closely with the chakras was when I was getting intuitive downloads about my clients, Jord, and this is before I was doing intuitive readings. So when I was a coach, I would get a niggle in my head or in my throat, or I'd feel a little unstable in my womb. And I started to learn that these physical sensations I was getting was actually pointing to a certain chakra in my client I was sitting opposite and work they had to do in that space. So in my one-on-one capacity, I really tuned in and honed into the messages that our chakras can send us when we're out of balance and then how to bring them back into balance. Mm. For me today, I work with the chakras mainly in my own healing. Uh, So when we're working with Zoe, our kinesiologist, will focus on a certain chakra and I tend to intuitively know at any given time what chakra feels a little bit out of whack for me and how to bring it back into alignment. Mm, So that's the way that I use them today. How about you? Um, Yeah, I'm quite similar. I use chakras a lot when I'm doing uh, like yoga sequencing, even if I don't communicate that to the class, I'll be concentrating on a chakra. Um, I clear my chakras every morning with self-muscle testing. Um, so I just do a, a generic like clear of everything just to check everything's in alignment. Um, but when I sit down to write my book, I also clear myself to the book, um, just making oh. sure my chakras aren't out of line with anything I'm trying to write. So a lot of the time my <laughs> sacral chakras out cause that's my creativity. Um, and if, a lot of, and then another times my throat chakras out because it's my communication. communication. Mm. So I just check that everything's clear so that I'm like really getting everything across that I need to get across. Um, I love and that. then the only other time, yeah, would be when we're working with Zoe or you and I are doing a clearing with each other or we've hooked into something energetically. Yes. Then it'll yes. usually be hooked in through a chakra. So yeah, they're they're the energy points that run um, through the body, and they're they describe them as like wheels of energy that are constantly spinning. So yeah, they're like we, little UFOs. Yeah, and there's a lot more than seven, but seven are the main ones. Yeah. Um. So what I think we'll do is we'll run through. I'm going to do the lower chakras, and you're going to do the higher chakras. We'll meet together at the heart chakra. In the middle. Yeah, we'll meet in the middle. Um, so what we'll do is we'll start We'll start with the first chakra, which is called the root chakra. It's at the base of the spine. So if you – I always like to go through the chakras when people are seated with a straight spine. It's a really nice way to feel them. So it's right at the base of the spine. Mm. The color for the root chakra is red. Mm. It's like this deep, beautiful, earthy red. The element for the root chakra is earth. So oh. it's the earth element. Um, I, I, if you're not sure if the elements of the higher chakras hold, I got it. I was literally like, I got to search them now. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I know them. It's all good. Um, right. So the root chakra represents our foundations. It's our basic survival and our sense of connection. It's mm. often linked to the home. It's often linked to finances and money and having um, like – 
independence and the the ability to stand your own ground when we're in a constant state of flux and we're traveling a lot and we're sort of living out of our suitcases or out of our car or maybe it's just with work you're sort of um there's a lot of things going on our root chakra can come out of balance really really easily Mm. it's our foundation and it's because it's the first of the chakras it can start to throw off the other the other six yeah, it's an important one. Yeah, so an imbalanced root chakra might look like um, any kind of physical ailment with things like the feet, the legs, the joints, and the muscles. Mm. It's also heavily associated with your adrenals and your endocrine system. Interesting. So a lot of hormonal stuff can come from an imbalance in the root chakra. Um, emotionally, when your root chakra is off, it can trigger feelings of isolation, loneliness insecurity, abandonment, depression, disconnection, and instability. So interesting. Yeah. If you're wondering where Mm. I'm getting all this information, I wrote an article called What are the Seven Chakras for Women's Health Magazine? You can Google it. This is amazing (laughs) because you can just fill in the blanks with my higher chakras later on. (laughs) So if you Google Google What are the Seven Chakras, Jordana Levine, this article will come up. Um, Amazing. So a way that you can heal and balance the root chakra Mm. is what we were talking about before whole like eating nourishing root vegetables um so your pumpkins your sweet potatoes your potatoes your carrots anything that's grown in the ground um and some pro like proteins like not for you obviously whole but like red meat is really good Mm. for the root chakra eggs nuts um and red foods as well i did a whole um blog series on my Website. I don't know if it's still there. I probably pulled it down when I was a food blogger in a former life. Um, and it was all of the foods that are so associated with the different chakras. So filling up Love on that. red foods like pomegranates and raspberries and cherries and tomatoes. That's a really beautiful way to balance the chakra. Yes. Um, and then in terms of like activities and stuff, getting out into nature, going for a hike. Um, Barefoot. Yeah, being barefoot, doing yoga poses like uh, mountain pose and like the warrior series, anything that brings you back down into the lower limbs is Mm. really good. Do you know what? Zoe told me, because I've done a lot of work on my base, it feels constantly out of whack. And she said that on a Monday, because it's the start of the week, is the day that you should do your squats and your lower like chakra root poses. Mm. So yeah, like squats lunges, anything that's like really rooted, but also that's when you should look at your finances because again, the root chakra is all about finances. So if you run a business, getting to your zero on a Monday, I don't do this, but I should um, because it sets the foundation for the week ahead, which is really interesting. Yeah, interesting. Mm, mm. So like a Pilates class or a root, like a deep grounding yoga practice on a Monday morning is apparently really great. Interesting. Mm. Um, okay. Sacral chakra. Oh, wait. No, I want to tell you what the Bija mantra is for the root chakra. So the Bija mantra is like um, these healing, cleansing um, sounds that are associated, the Sanskrit mantras that are associated with each um, chakra. And mm. so we're re- everyone's really familiar with the, with the mantra, Om. And I'll tell you what chakra that relates to. But the, the sound for the root chakra is lom 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 
lum. So if you repeat that over and over and over again, the vibration of that and feel that vibration going down into your root chakra, it can be really cleansing and really healing. I love that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Okay, so the next chakra we go up, we go up to the sacral chakra. It's located Mm. um, in the lower abdomen, just below the navel. And the other thing to remember about the chakras is that they they're they're the front and the back of the body so they're not just like at the base of the spine at the back it comes all the way through to the front yeah yeah um the color of the sacral chakra is orange the element of the sacral chakra is do you want to take a guess at it hole uh well i would say fire but wasn't the root fire no root was earth oh so what's sacral well think about what's going on and what parts of your body are down in the sacral chakra well, the reason I said fire is because I know it's sensuality and sexuality. Oh, it's is it is it water? Yeah. So Interesting. You've got your bladder and your womb down there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It represents the seed of our creativity, our physical reproduction, and our connection to other. It's mm. the center for feeling emotion, pleasure, and intimacy. It's also where the sense of abundance blooms. Yeah, 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 I love that. So an imbalanced sacral chakra, and mine is always (laughs) imbalanced, (laughs) um, will often result, oh, not in this context, but will often result in a low libido or the opposite of a very high sex drive. Um, Mm. It may show up as an inability to express emotions. (laughs) Or alternatively, um, the inability to contain them. So like either way, so you could like not be able to express them or just not be able to stop expressing them and just kind of, they just pour out of you, which can be just as detrimental, right? hundred percent. Um, another thing to factor in with an imbalanced, um, sacral chakra is you may find it hard to manifest Ah. or get into the creative groove. So, you know, when I'm sitting there with writer's block, I'm like, is my sacral chakra out, you know, like muscle testing it. And it's like, yes, it is again. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's not. And I'm like, okay, so this is just me having to sit in this and this has nothing to do with my creativity, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I am blocking it. Yeah. If I get up in my head too much or something like that. Um, So some ways we can heal and balance the sacral chakra is to eat rich sources of healthy fats. So our fish, our nuts, our seeds, coconut, Um, Orange foods will also help with the sacral chakra. So oranges, carrots, sweet potato, pumpkin, mandarins. I mean, there's tons of orange foods out there. Um, And also natural orange foods, guys. So not like orange lifesavers. Yeah, not (laughs) safe. And then some beautiful things you could do in nature would be to submerge yourself in big bodies of water. Go for Mm -hmm. a swim. Yeah. That. And dance, actually, really great for the sacral. Moving mm, the hips, moving yeah, that way. Blowing, music. It's, it's a very feminine chakra. Um, so anytime I'm feeling like, oh, I'm up in my, I need to get back down, it's like I'm doing wiggles. That's what I'm doing right now, guys. But moving the hips. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Um, and also, like I said before, our womb is in our sacral chakra and that's all about Um, creation and reproduction and creativity you know with the birth of a child Mm -hmm. so it's a really good way to just remember what kind of energy is flowing in that region I love that I I think it was Peter Kelly who said that she downloaded her entire earth is hiring book when she fell pregnant with soul and then when soul was birthed the book had been birthed and that 
for me, when I read that, I'm like, yeah, because your sacral was creating life. So it makes sense that your creativity was activated at the same time. Mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, solar plexus. I think it's my favorite of all the chakras, if you can have favorites. It's located above the navel, just below the rib cage. The color for the solar plexus chakra is yellow. Mm. And the element, do you want to take a guess at the element? Fire. Yeah, is fire. Mm. Um, the solar plexus represents our energy center and personal power station. It's responsible for our willpower, self-discipline, and our self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times before I go on stage to give a talk or a presentation, I'll do some work on my solar plexus just so I can really stand in my own personal power. Yeah. Um, an imbalanced solar plexus chakra will manifest as a sense of powerlessness, mm-hmm. low self-esteem, low self-worth, lack of confidence. Mm. Um, yeah. It's the um, one to be seen in your light. If you're struggling to step into your light, there's solar plexus stuff at play for shell. Yeah, and also I think that our solar plexus is very easily wounded by other. Um, yeah. So it's it's something that if we can have a song a strong solar plexus, there's no need to have really um, strong walls up and uh you know energetic boundaries up so that we're not experiencing anything it's like Mm. let's just have this really strong beautiful radiating solar plexus and that's enough to protect us and help us to stand in our own personal truth i love that so much Mm. yes 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 so ways to heal and balance our solar plexus uh like nourishing spices that create heat Mm. But if you have an overactive solar plexus, um, avoid You're a narcissist. <laughs> well, not necessarily, but I think sometimes people... Um, I've definitely had an overactive one at some point where I get so... Um, like I swing to the extreme of being coming from like mass vulnerability to swing mm-hmm. into the extreme where I'm just so in my power that I'm actually powerless, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah just watching that avoiding hot and spicy foods is probably a wise idea because we don't really want to stoke the fire but if you need to add a little bit more fire into your solar plexus then you know your chilies and all of that but like turmeric and cumin and those sorts of spices yes um they also say grains and legumes but i mean if if you can digest them i can't so there you go. Mm, um, mm. Also, yellow foods like bananas, pineapple, corn, chamomile, mm. uh, lemon. If your solar plexus um, is underactive, then you want to be doing like heat building activities like hot yoga, going for a walk in the sunshine. Um, yes. Infrared saunas. That's all. They're all going to help heal and nourish the solar plexus. Um, yeah. If it's overactive, like you need to turn your ego down a notch or two, um, <laughs> you want to stick to activities that are cooling, like swimming yeah. in the ocean and, you know, walks in the, you know, uh, dusk at dusk, you know, when the sun's mm. not out. Yeah. The sunshine is my favorite solar plexus activator for sure. Mm. Getting out in the sun is beautiful for that. Yeah. And like not to burn yourself, but just to um, <laughs> bask get in the light. D. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that. Oh, I forgot to tell you what the Bija Mantra was for the sacral chakra. So the Bija oh, yes. Mantra for the sacral chakra is Vum, 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 Vum. And then the 
Bija mantra for the solar plexus is rum. So rum, rum, rum. Um, mm. as I, my, did a, I did a lot of solar plexus um, work when I first started in my business and I was repeating rum in uh, Insight Timer has solar plexus and all of the chakra meditations and they really helped, George. Yeah, I'm going to send out in the for my second reco this week, there's a 30-minute uh, Bija Mantra meditation that takes you through all seven chakras. Wow. And you repeat it with the with the um, guidance on the meditation. Amazing. Uh, and it's really, really beautiful. So I'll, it's, it's just on Spotify. You don't have to pay for it, but I'll send that cool. as my second reco. Amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're up to the heart chakra hole. Yeah, that's... I mean, self-explanatory, center of the chest and vibrates to the color green. Uh, And the heart chakra is the center of, well, what I love about it, it's the bridge between the lower chakras, which are the very human grounded chakras, and the higher chakras, which take us more into the etheric and the spiritual. So the heart is what connects both sides. Mm. Um, The heart is about, well, love which is a given but it's love in all forms so love for self love for other love for life it's that it's a i think if i had to choose a favorite the heart chakra is definitely my favorite really what i do see though jord is that most people will have some kind of blockage around their heart because this is the space of being vulnerable and opening yourself up to potentially being hurt by other. Well, this is the uh, this is the thing with the heart chakra. It also allows us to feel sorrow, sadness, anger, grief. Yeah, and like lust even, you know, like it's it's also got the ability to hold the extremes of love. Mm, and the polarities a, of love. It's a very passion-fueled chakra. Mm. Uh, so some of my favorite ways to activate the heart chakra, step well, more on, into let's that. Let's just talk about um, what an imbalanced heart chakra might look oh, like. Oh, cool. What does that look like, George? <laughs> uh, um, an imbalanced heart chakra can look a few different ways. It could be like uncontrollable emotions like anger and sadness and grief like we spoke about. Um, you may find yourself in a relationship where you're constantly giving and not receiving anything or perhaps Mm -hmm. you're receiving and you're not giving anything in return Mm. um you know always needing to fix a partner or change a partner perhaps you're not letting love in at all uh perhaps you love too easily and love's Mm. a really diluted term for you you know like there's there's lots of different ways we can be imbalanced in the heart Mm. chakra um, and there's lots of different ways that we can heal and balance it too. So, um, hold. Do you want to do you want to talk yeah, about a few of I'm them, sh- and I'll take you guys through the foods. I'd love to know the element of the heart oh, chakra. It's air. Okay, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So interesting. So my favorite way to balance the heart chakra is nature. Getting into nature, like tree energy for me. So your palms are a direct extension of your heart chakra. Yeah, your, so, your hands grew out of your heart. Yeah. As an embryo. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's it gives amazing. me goosebumps. So anytime I feel an imbalance, I put my hands on a tree or on grass, some form of nature. It's like an earthing but through your hands. Uh, anything green, so getting into green spaces, grass, trees, bushwalking, that's my go-to for the heart chakra. But also 
expressing love and we hear it if you want to receive love give love so without the tendency for an overactive heart chakra telling that person that you love them or you know doing you know maybe acknowledging what your love language is and engaging more in those sorts of activities for yourself and for other self-love is a big one in the heart chakra as well absolutely um in terms of food think green foods so you know your green fruit and veg green superfoods um lots of fresh herbs green smoothies all the greens all the greens yeah all of the greens um and actually on this crystal for the heart chakra rose quartz but also green crystals guys you can look all this online when it comes to what crystal do i use what oil do i use because they also vibrate at certain chakra points but you can use your intuition as well it's a very like anything personal approach to these things Uh, agreed um can i tell you what the bija mantra is for the heart chakra please it's the best of all of the bija mantras oh Yum, yum, Because <laughs> we love yum. food. <laughs> yeah, how good is it? It's the best. Yeah. Yum. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so throat chakra hole. Throat chakra is housed, you guessed it, in our throat. It vibrates to the color blue. Throat chakra is our portal of crystal clear communication. It's expression. Yeah. So if we have an imbalance in our throat chakra, we'll often find that we're holding back saying what we want to say. Um, Expression is hindered. When I was working one-on-one with people, it would manifest in ways of, you know, when you feel a lump in your throat and you just can't swallow it down, or maybe you get, you go to say something, but you repress. It's all of that kind of, I want to express, but I'm not enough or this person isn't going to hear me. It also holds people-pleaser tendencies. So expressing what you think someone wants to hear as opposed to what you really want to say uh, and limiting beliefs around your ability to communicate. So I'm not a speaker or I'm not a writer or housed in the throat chakra. Um, Did I cover all of the limiting, all of the non-functioning throat chakra things? The imbalance. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the other, the other, the other imbalance can be an inability or an unwillingness to um, accept criticism from others. So, like to receive their expression. Ah, of course. So blocking someone else's expression. I guess defensiveness would play into that then, which is very interesting. So, some of the techniques which are really great for expressing the throat chakra are pillow yelling. I love pillow yelling. When you feel that there's a buildup in your throat and you just need to get it out, yelling on screaming into a pillow, opening that throat channel is marvelous. I can't believe I used that word, but it is to get the energy center flowing. Similarly, singing at the top of your lungs. No one needs to hear you. It can be in the car. It can be around the house. Just anything that gets that throat open. Also, think communication. So a journaling practice is really great. If there's somebody that you feel you want to have a conversation with but you just can't, write them a letter. Get it off your chest and that's it. It's like you're literally getting this energy off your chest. Express it, burn it, tear it up, release it, move on. Uh, And the other thing when it comes to the throat chakra is expressing clear communication. So 
having conversations with people, hearing other people out and holding space rather than talking over. Mm. All ways to express the throat. From a really uh, physical point of view, having nice, warm, soothing liquids on your throat is really good for your throat chakra. Mm. So um, warm teas, warm soups, um, filling up on blue foods like blueberries and blackberries and and Mm. blue spirulina, if you will. Love it. And and, And then like warm warm liquids definitely but also cool liquids if you feel like you need them like soothing cool anything that's going to actually physically suit the throat area love it the element for the throat chakra is ether so it's ether energy Mm. um and the throat chakra um bija mantra is hum 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 fascinating Third eye chakra. Third eye chakra is located between the brows. It vibrates to the color indigo and it's the home of intuition. So when our third eye chakra is out of whack, we are caught up a lot in thought rather than imagination and seeing the big picture. So we can get really constrained by logic and not trust and gut and intuition. So to activate the third eye chakra, it's funny when I was doing my research, this came up more than once, Vipassana, (laughs) because it disconnects you from thought and logic. That said, any kind of meditation practice is going to help you turn down that logical mindset and step more into third eye. Third eyes, when they're working functionally, you are an imaginative person. You see the big picture. You may even get telepathic downloads. So it's a really powerful chakra. And food-wise, you're looking at your purple foods, so eggplant, purple cabbage, purple kale, and even blueberries for this one as well. Mm. Um, Also, another interesting thing about an imbalanced third eye is when people tend to disconnect from reality and a kind of stuck in this fantasy world or just kind of ah. out of touch with reality mm. um that can be like an overactive third eye and an underactive third eye manifests as like people who are like super rigid and stubborn and a little bit too earth-based yes yeah yes um the element for the third eye is light beautiful and the bija mantra for both the third eye and the crown they they share the same element and they share the same sound and it is om so om 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 yeah the crown and the third eye really do go hand in hand so the crown chakra is located at the crown of your head and it vibrates to the color violet so the crown chakra is our gateway to source to spirit to our connection with our own soul and spirituality so you can see how there's a natural tendency for intuition to lend itself to that portal but when the crown chakra is out of balance we are living more based on our childhood traumas and based on what's happened to us in the past Um, we are living by limiting beliefs and there's not necessarily an expanded state of consciousness so when to bring that more into alignment obviously again meditation is important but practices like root cause analysis getting to the roots of your limiting beliefs and working on those be it through talk therapy or with a kinesiologist 
Also decluttering your space, creating space in the home is really great for a clear crown. Like what George said earlier in our conversation, shying away from foods like or drinks like alcohol and sugary foods because they can really hinder on the channel and the flow of energy through the crown given it's our direct connection to source, but also some level of spiritual practice. So that could be prayer, gratitude, uh, looking at your signs from the universe, communicating to angels or your ascended masters like we talked about last week are all beautiful ways to tap into that crown space. Beautiful. Um, in terms of foods, there actually are no particular foods to help access crown chakra, if anything, and I don't encourage it. This isn't me giving you permission, but it's a fasting from food that mm. can allow a clearer channel. So sometimes... Okay. You know, that's why we, that's why it's very helpful sometimes to meditate in the morning before you've had any stimulant or any foods that your body needs to digest so that it can really kind of concentrate on that beautiful channel without being distracted by digesting food or whatever else. Makes so much sense. That's why in Vipassana you don't eat very much as well. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, so look, if the chakras are something that you're interested in, then definitely just Google it. Honestly, like that's where I learned everything about it. Yeah. We've told you all the basics and, um, it's just getting familiar. Like Holly said, insight timer, which is free, has some really beautiful, uh, chakra meditations, whether it's through the Bija mantras or just activating certain chakras. Um, and yeah tell us what you think if there's more that you'd like to know about the chakras um that we think you think we could do an another episode on let us know yeah. and we'll happily explore it absolutely and maybe jord will put the article you've written in the newsletter this week so if you guys aren't subscribed yeah. and you want to get that meditation that jord mentioned and also links to obviously the records from this app and jord's chakra article definitely jump on the link in our bio on instagram and subscribe Love it. You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Asapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group, just search The Middle Podcast Show, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.